EFTM Tech Cars Lifestyle This is the EFTM Podcast with Trevor Long EFTM G'day, g'day, thanks for your company Great to have your uh, company on the EFTM Podcast uh, If you've got a question about technology or you want to buy something new, you need some advice It's very easy just go to the website, eftm.com, or if you're on the Android app, just uh, click Ask Trev. I'm going to talk to Narelle Devine, who's the uh, Chief Information Security Officer, I think is the title, at uh, at Telstra today about just how many scam emails they see through their system, and they now block. Telstra's now blocking phone calls, text messages, and emails. And my question to all the other telcos is, what are you doing? What what are you doing to block scams for your customers? Because as much as I'm at pains to tell people they're spending too much money on Telstra, maybe this is where the money's going. This is where this is the value. Maybe this is why you should. This is a compelling point of difference for them. Um, the numbers are mind blowing. I'm telling you. Uh, so we'll talk to Narelle um, shortly on the show. I will say straight up, it is a short show because I. I've had a lot of engaged signals and I can't stick around for a couple of hours to ring again because I've got two segments on the Today Show tomorrow morning and I have to drive all the way out to whoop whoop to pick up a bunch of things from a shop that didn't arrive on Amazon. So I've just got a very busy afternoon. So we're going to get into a couple of calls. We're going to talk to Narelle and we're going to fill your ears with that for um, half an hour or so here on the EFTM podcast. It's always great to have your company. It's always great that you subscribed and you take the time to listen, and um, the show is fluid, you see, fluid every week. Um, I haven't decided yet what we're going to do over the summer, um, but I suspect just off the broad back of where I'm at right now, I think we'll probably do one more show, and then we might pull up stumps uh, until after CES, um, but that'll all depend on how many emails I keep getting and how many questions there are out there. So if you um, have questions, whether it's about Christmas shopping, Christmas ideas, or whatever you might think, uh, get in touch and just go to the website, eftm.com. That's all you got to do to be part of the EFTM podcast. EFTM, taking your calls, Trevor Long. I'm trying to help out where I can. Just go to the website, eftm.com. Joe's on the line. G'day, Joe. How are you doing? Great, thanks, mate. How are you? You, in fact, did not go to the website. You used the Android oh, I app. No. I did. Um, I don't know if you heard the story, but I didn't realize where those emails were going. Um, so I've pretty much not seen any – well, when I say not seen, I've seen them now, but um, I had not been checking them for, well, most of the year. Um, oh. So I think you're the first person I've called that actually is from there. So apologies to everyone else, but they were going into an inbox and just being kind of um, uh, archived and I had no idea where they were. So oh, that, was, well, that was, did it at the right time. That was a bit annoying, <laughs> but uh, anyway, <laughs> what can I do for you, mate? Mate, I've got a funny one. So um, I am helping out with the school swimming club yeah. and they've got some screens that they put up with the kids' times, like at the top of the grandstand. So we've got two, I think, 65-inch screens, yeah. um, which is fine, except that we've got to lug them up there <laughs> every day, every swim club, and then lug them back again. And um, so they're looking for a way. It's one of the things they were looking at is one way to sort of 
permanently attach them and secure them so that they don't get vandalized because, you know, if, you know, kids jump the fence and stuff. Yeah. And then I thought maybe we could use a projector um, and just wanted to know your thoughts on, because there's still, there's a light above it, like, you know, the grandstand lights oh, are in there. Right, so it's yeah. still pretty bright and we can't turn the one off because it'll uh, turn the others off. They're all in series, if that makes sense. Yeah, so, yeah, totally. yeah, just a bit of a different one, seeing if you had any ideas on, projectors for that or um you know or some kind of security for for screens it's a massive problem that is not easily solved i would argue um i would yeah. i think a projector's a much harder solution um, yeah right because with the light you would need something so powerful that it would probably freak the budget out let alone even yeah, contemplate sure. it right and then in the end, you still got the problem of what are you projecting onto, so it's going to be a screen, and then the worst thing the kids could do might be is, I don't know, graffiti. I don't know. So it feels like it's going to be full of its own issues again, but I think the light yeah. is what causes that problems. Um, yeah, yeah. The TVs, though, I mean, what are you are you able to do your own work there, or do you need approvals to do the kind of thing you might need to do in terms of works and installation? Look, a little bit of both. Like we need education, like the education department, to, to, like they need to be signed off, like the particular people that install it. Mm. But we can build the thing and get them to install it, if that makes sense. So if we build the cabinet, we can get them to install it, just put the screws in, you know, yeah. into the um, into the stand. So it's a bit of both, but yeah. What um, – help me understand the risk to the TV in terms of – kids uh is it after hours to worry about or just during normal time it just gets gets ruined because it's within reach of children is that the thought probably after hours like so we've we've had a couple of um kids jump the fence and and get in there and do some stuff and chuck some stuff into the pool and that so it's probably the after hours stuff yeah because i mean actually getting a bracket for a tv is not complicated like what i would Mm. suggest is a hanging bracket so hanging yeah. down from the roof or the rafters, um, yeah. you know, if secured properly and installed well, um, you're very strong, very secure and kind of floating there then. And it might allow you to – what? I, so, again, I'm just imagining here, I'm imagining the pool deck and then a, a grandstand, not, you know, Olympic Park style, but, you know, yeah. a, a se- several tiers, several, several <laughs> tiers of, uh, yeah, state school steps. Um, yeah. And it's, it's got a roof over it, obviously. Yep, yep, yep. Um, it's, sorry, is it indoor or is it just a roof over the grandstand? Just a roof over the grandstand. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so the the thing I'm thinking of is, and are the screens mainly for the kids when they get out of the pool to see their times or is it for the people in the grandstand to glance up at? It's, it's yeah, more for the parents that are sort of watching, you know. It yeah. is for the kids as well, but more the parents um, seeing their, their kids' times. Because if you, if you Google uh, – ceiling mounted tv brackets you'll see these ones that they look like your normal wall brackets but then they've got this long kind of pole like a t-pole coming off them so that they can be like you might use them in an office where you hang it from the middle or in a shop it might be hanging down you know when you walk into a store and they've got the cctv screen there hanging from the roof that kind of thing right and so in my mind what you want is like two of those one that faces outwards and one that faces inwards and you know might, might be okay but given it's outside, is it also then a risk that it's exposed and, you know, the worst weather and the worst winds, the TVs get ruined? I don't know, mate. It's, it's, oh, I do think you end up with a 
Like I've been to enough school meetings and even local club sport meetings to realise that there's always a reason not to do it. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's it's like at our baseball club, we, we bought a scoreboard and it's not permanently up for the same reason as yours, but it means yeah. that every Saturday morning someone's got to put it up and I'm, yeah, I'm not yeah. putting it up. I'll, I'll <laughs> happily push the button if someone puts it up, but, you know, it's yeah, it creates that problem, doesn't it? Yeah. It feels like you need – it. Do, I think the answer to your question is uh, protect is not the answer. And, yeah, sure. and you you probably need to get, I don't know where you'd go though, to get someone to quote the building of a, essentially a, a secure box for two TVs. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a bit of a weird one. And then hang it up there. But it sounds like, it just feels expensive to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> how old are the TVs you're lugging up there? Uh, look, they're, they're, they're pretty old. But the TVs are replaceable, you know what I mean? Like they're not, they're not super expensive. Yeah. And we just, it's like, it's black and white or green and black, whatever. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not, we're science. not showing, you know, we're not showing live sports or anything like that. Yeah, it doesn't, yeah. they don't need to be the best in the world. They just need to show numbers <laughs> effectively. Yeah. I, I honestly, I think that a consumer solution is always going to be problematic um, yeah. for many reasons, vandalism, weather, durability. And like, think about if you went with my idea of a ceiling mount and you got it put up there, great stuff, looks good, etc. Then something yeah. happens to the TV. It's not as easy as just going, oh, we're going to swap it out because someone's got to have the right ladder and then you come into OH and like, do you know what I mean? It just becomes yeah. another yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. My, oh, I'm sorry to disappoint, but I actually don't know that there is a simple consumer solution outside <laughs> of, you know, finding the, the person that can quote on the work and, you know, create a, a whole other world of pain in terms of then getting it past education to have it installed. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. know that no, there that's... is a way. Yeah, that's that's what I was that's what I was worried <laughs> would be the answer, but I was I was pretty I was I thought it might be. Sorry, mate. <laughs> so that's all right. No, that's all right. All right, bud. Well, thanks good, for good thanks to, for taking the time. I really appreciate anyway, it, mate. No worries at all. Yeah, no, wonderful. Good all right, thanks for your help, Trevor. Uh, appreciate in it the, in the freestyle. Yeah, yeah. Thanks very much. All right, buddy. Good on you. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Thanks. Cheers. Yeah, I um, yeah, I feel like it's the kind of thing that as a dad you go, yeah, let's just go and get the bracket and we'll do this and da 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 da. But then you end up with a problem because you're the one that has to fix it when it's broken. Uh, the TV could still get something thrown at it and broken. The TV could have weather issues. Um, yeah, it's the kind of thing that's going to be it's going to be a whole job. Sorry, but um, yeah, if you got if you got views or you've got that at your local school swimming pool, maybe send us a photo and we can share it uh, and and see how that ends up. Uh, if you've got a question, go to the website, EFTM.com. Thank you for listening, and uh, it's great to have your company. Now, I, I'm obviously cybersecurity as at the front of everyone's mind. I don't know why. Maybe just a couple of major, in fact, not just a handful, many security breaches and data hacks and all those kind of things over the last few months. And it is, in part, it's a case of, um, I think Stephen Fennick refers to it as the, the bitten dog theory. You know, there's a there's a tragic uh, incident and then every dog bite seems to get, get news attention. Unfortunately, in this case, we've had a lot of major cyber attacks. And my biggest challenge from those cyber attacks isn't how did they happen and what do we need to do to, uh, to find those companies? Because that's in someone else's hands. My biggest concern is for the millions of people affected and understanding the real risks that will come. And a lot of that is in scams 
and whether those scams are via text or call or email, it's something you need to be aware of. And that's where you've got to give credit to Telstra for the work they've done over the last couple of years, really. And I think what they call the Clean Pipes Initiative, but I'll stand corrected with my next guest on that, because um, this is this is a concerted effort by Telstra to attempt to block what they can at the network level. So to discuss that is uh, Narelle Devine, who's the Chief Information Security Officer for Telstra in the Asia-Pacific. G'day, Narelle. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Well, look, I mean, cleaner pipes, that's the initiative. The, the point behind that is is really to try and stop what you can at the network level. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely correct. And I think you know, this announcement is extremely exciting because we do lots of different things. But today it's talking about uh, the new capability around email and being able to block over 332 million incoming scam and unwanted emails every month. Every month? That... I mean, I haven't even got a calculator in front of me, but we're talking a large number of emails on a daily basis. But let's let's think about that from a from a network perspective. So, where does this occur? I mean, if I'm a, a Telstra customer, um, I've got a Big Pond email address. Um, are you analysing the messages as they drop into mailboxes, or are you seeing them as they fly through? How does it how does it work? Yeah, so the capability is complex and, and to your point, it's the equivalent of blocking 7,600 emails every minute. Wow. Um, but in simple terms, what we're looking at is looking at, you know, what those unwanted emails and scams look like mm. so that we can get to them at that network level. So we've got automatic machine scanning, which picks out suspicious content like malicious links or attachments and other characteristics and then blocks them before they even reach your inbox. Wow. And so obviously this is about trying to understand the biggest risk to, to customers and your customers, you know, it's, it's a funny thing because in reality, it's not Telstra's responsibility to do this. It's you're simply providing a service, but I guess you see the benefit in ensuring that the service you provide to your customers minimizes the amount of risk that they come to. Oh, we want it to be as safe as possible. And the cleaner pipes program encompasses phone calls and scam SMSs and, and email and, and also websites. That it is about, we know as we block one channel, they'll look for the next one. Yeah. So we want to make sure that we're doing the very best for each and every person out there. Because the the conversations that, that have, have been had over the last little while with Telstra have been uh, initially around calls and texts. So is this, this is the third uh, tranche of, of large large work being done to clean up the, the incoming data that comes to your customers, whether it's a call, a text or an email in this case? Yeah, so effectively we've, we're blocking around 10 to 15 million scam calls um, to customers each month. We're blocking thousands of malicious domains monthly as well, so they're the websites that you don't get to. And then SMS, we're looking at around 61 million blocks each month at the moment. So, you know, this is just the, the next piece to that puzzle. I mean, so in reality, at the network level, Telstra customers would theoretically be safer than any other form of connectivity in Australia, given your, your blocking before it even comes to the device in, in that sense, the call, the SMS and that's, the email. Yeah, that's absolutely our hope. And of course, it won't block everything. I'm sure yeah. everybody still sees all of these things coming through. Um, you know, everybody really needs to remain incredibly vigilant. These scams are very, very good. Mm. And it just takes that lining up of, you know, you're in a hurry or it seems like it might be something that you're interested in or you're just not paying attention. 
it's really easy at the moment to just click on something or reply to something that you then think, oh, that was probably not the right thing to do. And, and I guess that's the challenge, isn't it? Um, a lot of our uh, your users, a lot of my listeners, um, they, they they hope they're savvy, but in reality, these scams, as you say, are so elaborate that they the whole point of phishing is that their their goal is to imitate another person or organisation, and in that case, often it's it's Telstra too. You know, Telstra itself is the the victim in a sense of these scams because people would be thinking they're clicking on a Telstra email, but they're not, and and that's a challenge for you to find those emails because. They change on a daily basis, I'm tipping. Yeah, absolutely they do. And I think that's why if we can remove such a huge volume of them from even reaching your inbox, you've got to apply that that filter to just less volume, which is helpful, I think, for every customer out there. As I said, there's still a lot. I mean, the, yeah, the ACSC received 76,000 cybercrime reports last year. Mm. I mean, that's one every seven minutes. It, this is really prolific through the community. And I think that the thing about the the cybercrime reports, um, the the number of even scam watch, you know, that's huge numbers. Emails the third most commonly reported attack um, after phone and SMS scams. But I would argue that all the numbers are unders because there's a lot of people listening right now, let alone a lot of your customers who wouldn't admit to have having fallen for a scam because they don't feel like the impact on them was great enough or the shame is such that they don't want to tell people. But actually what we need to do is talk about this much more openly. It's happening to people. People are losing money. And that kind of conversation is part of the education process, I think. I think you're absolutely right. And I think there's, there's a couple of really great reasons for reporting. One is so that as a country, we can get a feeling of just the size and scale of this problem. It gives a great rich intelligence picture when you're able to see what's going on. The other thing for, for Telstra is, you know, tell us when these things have happened because it does help us to tune the tools mm. to make sure that we're staying that one step ahead. So help me understand that part of it then. Um, what, what have you got happening in the back end? Have you got a large team of people that are analysing and, and I guess reassessing the rules that you put in place, or like are we are we hoping people report things through the the website? Look, where does it occur at the user end? Because they might be using different email clients, but still using the Big Pond mail service. How can Telstra customers essentially feed the 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 machine that you're building? Yeah, so it's a bit of all of that. And I bite says it's actually quite a small team of people. There's a large um, automated machine learning process as well that sits there that they help to feed and to tune and to get right. Um, but we do also rely on people telling us what's going on. They're ultimately the eyes and ears of what's getting through. Um, so reporting that through our abuse at, at Telstra.com email address or through the website is really helpful because all of those feeds do go to the real people that are sitting in the back end making those minor adjustments and finding those different patterns that the machines might not have been able to get to yet. Email is an interesting one because with calls, it's like I don't care if you block 90% of my calls, whether they're scams or not, I'm probably not going to notice. Similar with text, uh, you know, a, a text is either going to get through it or not. There is, though, this concept, though, I think people have with um, email that they want to know what's what's sitting there. You call it your, your spam filter or whatever it might be. So can I see the things that you've blocked or is that just blocked at the network level and gone? So these ones are blocked at the network level and gone. There still will be emails that go through that go to your junk folder. Um, mm -hmm. And when you open that, you'll still be surprised at how many sit in there. 
but we, we don't block like, you know, reputable advertisers or anything like that. So you might still get emails that you might deem unwanted. <laughs> um, they still go through. The ones that we block are the ones that we either, uh, you know, they have a reputation as a known bad or they have an attached scam that we know is malicious. Mm. So the filters are there and designed to make sure that we don't block legitimate traffic. So you still will see that junk box fill up a little bit as well, but we do try and take a large amount of the noise away. So when someone rings me and says, but I'm just not getting it, it must be Telstra's spam blocking thing, I could say to them, well, whoever's sending you the note is sending you a link to a scam website. They're sending you malware. Like it's known content exactly. that you're blocking. Yeah, exactly. And obviously the other part of this is as a Telstra customer, you might have Telstra MBN, let's say, um, and, you know, that's all working beautifully for you. You've got a Telstra mobile phone, you're getting scam call blocks and things, but you're, you're not a big Pond Mail customer. You're not blocking anyone else's mail. So you're, it's only big Pond Mail addresses and people using the big Pond service uh, essentially that are getting the benefit of this additional tranche of, of information in the Cleaner Pipes program. Yeah, that's correct. But if we look at the volume of the emails that are going into Big Pond inboxes at the moment, if we look at Black Friday alone, we had more than 56 million emails hit Big Pond inboxes that day. Now, that was a 75% increase on an average Friday, but there is a lot of email traffic around at the moment. Between online sales and in the lead up to Christmas, email is definitely one of the primary channels. Something wrong with your numbers, uh, Narelle, because uh, 56 million, I got 54 million, so think you're only counting me. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it, was, it was a great, just a little little tip. I don't know if you want to put it on the Tulsa website. Great time to work out what you do want to unsubscribe to because they're not scams. They're, they're legitimate um, advertising messages, but they've got to have that unsubscribe link. So, gee whiz, I spent a lot of time Sunday morning clicking that unsubscribe link on a few things that I thought, actually, that is clogging up my life. But uh, it's not the stuff that uh, that you get involved in, but it's a, it's a good tip for people around these sales periods. But 56 million emails in one day is staggering, and that, I guess, helps paint the picture of why you're able to, uh, to have such a substantive number of scams being blocked because it's a percentage game, really, isn't it? And part of this, this I guess, the success of your team and that machine learning is You've got so much volume. You are Australia's biggest. You have the volume. You can see these scams essentially as they happen. Yeah, the scale does, does give us a massive advantage in this game and being able to watch what's happening across the network gives us a really unique lens and gives us the ability to learn the behaviours really quickly. Well, you mentioned it was a small team. Um, it's a massive credit to a small team that you're able to start even on this journey and to be able to do the things that you're doing at an SMS a phone call and an email level. And as you say, it's not going to stop everything. So we still need to have awareness. We still need to be vigilant about the things that we receive, but it's a remarkable piece of work that um, I actually think is completely unchallenged, unrivaled on any other telco in Australia, Narelle. Uh, it's, it's a really exciting body of work and it's really lovely, not just for me personally, but for the teams that are involved across Telstra. It's not just the cyber teams, there's several teams that are involved. It's just so nice to be able to see that we can give back. Cyber is such a team sport and to be able to have this impact is just really a great feeling. Well, I'm, uh, I'm glad you're on the winning team in this case. That team sport involves <laughs> uh, a horrible opposition, which you're doing a great job at blocking 332 million scam and unwanted emails every month. Uh, it's great uh, announcement, Narelle, and it's great work that you and the team do. So uh, onwards and upwards and, and good information for uh, Big Pond customers today. Thank you so much.
Thank you for having me. EFTM. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast. Thank you for listening. Great to have your company. If you've got a tech question, go to the website, EFTM.com. Kylie did that. G'day, Kylie. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Really good. What can I do you for? I've got a son going into high school next year and he requires a laptop and I don't even know where to start. <laughs> I hear ya. I hear ya. I was there uh, a couple of months ago. My daughter is going into year seven next year. The problem I've got is I've then got another one that's in year five now going into year six and so felt like we needed to get them both something so it really did kill the budget but we did it pre-financial year. So I think, I, I think I've come out okay but – do you know what yeah. the, the the thing is? Um, has the school given any recommendations or any information from the school about it yet? Um, they, with the department, they usually go with HP. Yeah. But then I've been told to go with a Mac and um, with Air, Mac Air, mm. um, not the Pro, because they last. It's not but a bad point. Who who said that though? Your son or someone else? <laughs> Uh, no, um, a teacher. <laughs> okay, well, that's good. So the lasting thing is critical um, because you're really addressing a question of is this thing going to last three years, four years, or six years? Um, yes. That's what I said to my eldest who's going into year uh, – my God, my, going into year 11, I'm feeling really old. When he was in year, I'm going to say eight, he, the laptop he had had for some years, the the battery wasn't lasting, all that stuff. And I said, look, you've got two options. I can buy you a – simple uh, laptop that will work or I can spend very good money and buy you something like a MacBook Pro and but here's the deal it's got to last till year 12 this is your end of school device okay um and we shook on it that's what we agreed now going into year 7 I wouldn't spend the money on a Pro because a it's a slightly bigger and heavier laptop anyway but also you don't know what your kids are going to be doing in year 11 and 12 they don't really form that until kind of year 9 or 10 um, well, she did say um, just get the Air because the Pro, even though it's a great laptop, but those extras that are on the Pro, they don't need. Exactly. And, and look, the thing is, to be honest, the MacBook Air um, is pretty much like it used to be we would say, oh, you need a Pro laptop for video editing or photo. Seriously, the MacBook Air does all that. question is, you know, are you willing to spend the money on a MacBook Air? Because that's not cheap. Well, I am, but the husband's not. Uh, well, there's your problem. <laughs> yes, um, and I, I, but I can't really debate him because I really don't know what. Okay, I'm well, let, let's talk about it this way. Either. Apple MacBook Air 13 inch is going to cost you 1500 bucks, right? That's your yes. that's your entry price. That's with a 256 gig hard drive, which is not a lot of space in the real world, but you know, educated correctly or or, or taught to look after it. They can organise their space. And they live in the cloud these days. Like I look at my kids, they don't have documents on their computer. It's all in the Google cloud, right? So yep. it kind of negates that. So if we see that as being our, I guess that's our that's our starting point. And, and we're hearing that 1500 is a high price for the for the hubby. Um, what else is there? i, I got to tell you, I think I spent 1000 on my two kids. Um, and I've, I really do feel really do feel comfortable that those devices are going to last them three to four years easily. Okay. And I yeah. I know that because there's three things about a laptop outside of the size of the screen and the look of it, right? Forget that for a minute. There's the processor, there's the RAM, and there's the hard drive. Now, if you do the right thing by each of those, then it doesn't matter what brand it is. It doesn't matter what anything it is. 
you can ensure that you get something that's going to do a pretty good job. So I'm on the JV Hi-Fi website, for example, right now, and I can see two laptops around the $1,000 price point. Lenovo, um, one of them has a 256 gig hard drive and an Intel Core i5 processor. The i5 is where I'd want you to be, okay? I don't want you getting anything that's an i3 or less. Um, i5, yep. Yep. And the equivalent in the opposition brand AMD is also got a 5 in it, a Ryzen 5. And again, I see another one there with a bigger hard drive at 512 gigabytes and a Ryzen 5 um, uh, processor. Now, the RAM in them, I'd have to scroll down and check. It's 8 gig. That's fine. It's going to be okay. My guess is it's going to be a touchscreen because most laptops around that price point and more are touchscreens, and that's something no MacBook's doing for a start. Um, these things have normal everyday USB ports in the side. Um, a lot of them, I think one of them I'm looking at has the SD card slot as well, if you have memory cards from cameras. Um, the one that's 1099 also has a HDMI port. So I've got to tell you, if it's me with a kid going to year seven, I'm probably reluctant to buy a MacBook myself. I'm okay. I'm more likely to spend less and expect more, if if that makes a bit of sense. Well, yep. I'd, I'd prefer to spend a hundred extra dollars on uh, a great um, case and sleeve for it because you want to make sure that you're buying yes. a sleeve for it that's padded. I would also go to Clark Rubber or somewhere and buy. Or next time you get something delivered with foam in it, put the foam at the bottom of their bag because the biggest risk to a yep. laptop is actually when they drop their bag on the ground for lunch. And their laptop yes. is actually smashed on the bottom of the bag. Um, so if you don't buy a backpack that has it built in, put some foam rubber at the bottom of the thing and you, you get some protection. But i got to tell you, I think, and my kids who are luckiest kids in the world, they get access to all the latest gadgets and stuff. Um, they've not complained once about the Lenovo's I've bought them. My little son last night was typing out a speech on it and I thought he was smashing away at the keyboard like a genius. It's touched, go on the touch screen. I really like the Lenovo products. I think they are going to last. They're robust. It's a great brand. Um, there's nothing to absolutely so, could be concerned about with a Lenovo, that's for sure. So they're around the $1,000 mark. Yeah. If I look at, and this is what I do, is I go to the JB website and I kind of just go, okay, what do I want it to have? Because you can do so much kind of sorting. And I go, okay, well, I, I want it to have um, either an Intel Core i5 or i7 or a Ryzen 5 or Ryzen 7. So there's four different processors to choose from. I want it to have at least 8 or 16 gig of RAM. And and then I get that filtered look at what's available. The cheapest product is going to be 800 bucks. Um, yep. Actually doesn't look awful. Looks like a pretty pretty decent computer. But just, you know, you go mid-range, you use your gut, and then go into the store and actually pick them up, feel which ones are heavy, which ones are too big. Some of these are 15 inches. That's that's way bigger than the, that that MacBook, which might be a good thing, but it also might be a bad thing. Um, you might want something yeah. that's a bit thinner and smaller. Um, Microsoft make the Surface. The Microsoft Surface Laptop Go, which was essentially created, I believe, for the school system, um, is $1,199. Comes in pretty colours as well, just quietly. Um, <laughs> it's a legit Microsoft product. Those things are built very well as well. I think probably as well as Apple these days. I mean, I love a MacBook. I'll be honest with you. I'm completely fine with a MacBook, but there's no reason to buy the MacBook. So, unfortunately, I'm on your, I'm on your husband's side in that sense that 
it's actually really hard to justify. It's I hard think to I've um, justify. I'm on your side too now. <laughs> you when you go into the store, especially if child um, has some inkling towards a MacBook themselves, a lot of it is the allure of it. And I'm telling you, when you see these devices, they're they're they've upped their game. Their premium look, their premium feel. The Microsoft Surface Go is a beautiful thing. Comes in, um, I think there's a sandstone, a, a greeny color, a blue, and then your standard silver. The Lenovo's are very nice looking. Oh, yeah, I think I think you'll walk out and everyone will be happy. And look, yes. I d- I'm not going to say to you that a, a MacBook is definitely going to last four years and a, a PC's not. I would like to think, though, that both those devices will get them through to year 10. I don't, I don't know that it's a full high school. I, I want to be clear, and I think your husband should know, I don't think either of them are a full high school computer. Okay. If that makes sense. <laughs> yep. Yes, it does. All right. Good luck. Happy Please. shopping. Thank you. Right. You've been very helpful. <laughs> My pleasure. Anytime. Good on you, Kylie. All right. Thank you. Have thank- a good day. You too. Thanks very much. Um, it's, you know, I'm not there with you. I can't actually do the purchasing for you, but it feels like that's the right approach to um, to buying that device. Good luck, Kylie, and uh, to your child, uh, good luck. All right, that's a wrap. I'm sorry it was a quick one, but I have to run to McGrath's Hill um, to go to boating, camping, fishing. It's busy, yipping fun um, because the stuff that I wanted on Amazon just can't get here in time. And I have a segment tomorrow morning about pool gadgets and I saw something cool I want to put on there. So I'm just going to go and buy it from a grass hill and that's a long way away and I've got to get back in time for my kids to get home from school. So, you know, priorities, people, priorities. Um, family in today's show become above the podcast. That's official. I mean, you just you have to know that. And if you didn't know that already, you're mad. Um, but thank you for everyone for listening. Thank you for being in touch. Thank you for getting in touch if you did. And if we didn't get to you, send another email. We'll try and get you next week. Um, it is a busy one. And we have two blokes talking tech this week. I'm sure we'll be talking about Elon Musk. I'm sure we'll be talking about Tez- Telstra again, a bit more than what I did with Narelle there uh, today. And um, also this week, um, Saving Private Ryan, which I haven't watched yet. <laughs> so I've got uh, 12 hours to do that. Um, Saving Private Ryan is the best movies you've never seen podcast for this week. And I'm going to surprise Stephen at the very end of that show. Okay. This is between you and me, right? I'm going to surprise him and say, guess what? Next week, millionaire question. Who's doing the show? Stephen or Trevor? That's going to be me. We're going to do the great escape. Don't tweet him. Don't tell him because I know he doesn't listen to this show. So we're all safe here. But I have watched meticulously the great escape i am ready to do that show maybe not as as detailed as what Stephen would with facts and fiction and whatnot but i've done some research so we're going to do the great escape one of my favorite movies of all time and i'm still trying to work out why that is but i don't know and we'll 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 cover that but i'm pretty sure Stephen hasn't watched it in its entirety or certainly hasn't watched it more than once so the great escape with steve mcqueen will be the following week's movie very excited about that. So it's all happening on the podcast feed. If you're listening on the EFTM podcast feed, thank you for listening there. And uh, we appreciate your your ratings and reviews. Um, if you're listening somewhere else on a different feed, also totally fine on the Two Blokes Talking Tech feed. We're cool with that entirely. Um, Dazza, I think I read your message last week, so I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Uh, I certainly read it 
recently. Uh, and in the Two Blokes Talking Tech feed, um, still plenty of comments. But uh, yeah, leave a rating and a review. Uh, if you're on Spotify, you can do the same there. Uh, it just helps other people realize just that it's good content. We're just here for the good content, folks. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. EFTM Podcast. EFTM. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast. <laughs>